last week. You know what I'm saying? So we put this in a story in a box. But everywhere Jesus went, every home, every town, every region, every place he showed up, something happened. We're going to look at several examples of Jesus coming when Jesus showed up, when, when he came to town. We're going to start in John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 11. John writes here, He came to his own creation, yet his own people did not receive him. However, to all who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave authority to become God's children, who were born, not merely in a genetic sense, nor from the lust, nor from the man, of man's desire, but from the will of God. So the first thing we see is that when he comes, salvation comes to individuals. Because it says that those who received him and those who believed in his name, kind of a two-step process here, it says he became, gave them that authority to be engrafted into his family and become his children. And this was of the will of God. So we see then that salvation, when he shows up, salvation comes to, a, to individuals. To each person. Each person has a decision that they have to personally make when Jesus comes. The second thing we see, again, we're skipping around. We're going to go back to John chapter 4. If you've spent any time in the scriptures, and any time in the church, you've heard this story. John chapter 4. What's the story? The woman at the well. The woman at the well. Here we see the story that that uh, Jesus is traveling and he needs to get from one place to the other and the quickest route is through Samaria. Most of the time, 99% of the time, Jews would skirt around Samaria and avoid Samaria because they didn't like the Samaritans. Samaritans were despised people. They just didn't want to have anything to do with them. And so they would go around. Well, this time he decided to go through the heart of Samaria. The disciples are baffled by this, but they follow along. And we all know that, most of us, us anyway, know the story where Jesus comes to the well, and he's thirsty, and he sits down, there's a woman that comes to draw water, and he engages this woman in a conversation. And as he engages her in this conversation, he begins to prophetically speak into her, into her life. He begins to uh, tell her things about her that nobody else would know about how many husbands she's had, that she's living with another man right now. And they, they engage in this spiritual conversation where he's talking spiritual stuff and she's talking physical stuff. He's talking about having water to drink and she's saying, well, there's water right here. And he's saying, you're not understanding me. I'm not talking about this kind of water because if you drink the water I'm talking about, you'll never thirst again. She goes, well, I would love that kind of water because I don't want to get, I'm tired of coming and drawing water out of the well. See, she's thinking physical again. He's thinking spiritual. But they, they get closer and closer and closer together and they get to this point where the disciples show back up. And I was kind of reading through this story. It's kind of, as I was studying, as reading these stories again, several of these, um, the disciples come, and it seems like it's kind of like this distraction point all of a sudden. Like they're in this, this conversation, and the disciples kind of cut, come back from getting food, and they kind of butt in, and it's like she takes this opportunity, like there's a break in the conversation, and she takes off, kind of, and it says that she goes back to her hometown, and if you want to read with me, we're going to go to the end of John chapter 4 here. 
And the woman goes back to the city. It says that, verse 28 of John. It says the woman left the water jar and went back to town, and she started telling people everywhere she went, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And if you read the story again, we don't have always the details of every story in these things, but it doesn't say anywhere that he told her everything she'd ever done. She just talked about her husband. That's it. But she was, took that on that he told her everything about her. And so she went, and it says in verse 4, it says, the people left the town and started on their way back to meet him. Now, if you skip down with me to verse 39, we're going to read the next three verses of John 4. It says, now many of the Samaritans of that town believed in Jesus because the woman had testified, he told me everything I've ever done. Then in verse 40, it says, so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them, so he stayed for two more days, and many more believed because of what he said. So see, we see that when Jesus comes to town, not only do individuals get saved, but cities can get saved. I mean, regions can get saved. I mean, multiple things can happen when he comes. Because it tells us, it, just, it says many came, but then it says again later that many more came to him. So most of the city came because this one woman, because of one encounter with her, she went back and just simply said, come and see this man who told me everything about me. And when they came, salvation came to pretty much an entire city. Amen. That's what happens when Jesus shows up. Many lives can be changed at once. Let's skip over to Mark chapter 5. This is one of the stories when Jesus is tired and weary and he's been ministering and so they jump in a boat and they're crossing the sea and they're heading towards this territory called the Gerenses. Um, and in Mark chapter 5, this is the story of Jesus coming and encountering a man who was acting wild and crazy and you know, running around like a wild animal and pulling his hair out and doing all these crazy things and people just would avoid this guy at all costs. No one would go near him. <coughs> I think most of us would have kept our distances too. You know, we keep the windows rolled up and drive by. But not Jesus. Jesus went and found this one individual. And we know the stories that the, the man comes to him and Jesus instantly recognizes that this man is demonically possessed. He sees that he'd been restrained with shackles and chains and that nobody could tame him, it tells us in verse 4. But Jesus going up to him and says, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked what was on it. It says, My name is Legion because there are many of us. And it says that he pleaded with Jesus not to send them out. So then Jesus cast the clean, unclean spirits out in verse 13. <clears throat> it says, The unclean spirits came out of the man and went into the pigs and the herd of 2,000, rushed down the cliff into the sea and drowned. So see, when Jesus shows up, demonic forces are subject to him. When he's there, they need to come into submission when he shows up. And they must obey the voice of Jesus. He showed his love for a single man. He did not neglect this unloved wild man, but set him free from a lifetime of oppression, lifetime of possession. The demons knew the authority that Jesus came with. He comes in authority. He comes to a town and he brings an authority with him. Not an authority of an elected office. Not an authority that is backed up by money or power or anything like that. He comes with 
the true authority of the God who created the universe. And the demons, they know that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Jesus is in the same area. And as he's traveling, in verse 35, I'm going to read one verse on there. I don't know if you have to go there, but I'm going to read, <coughs> excuse me, one verse out of Matthew 14. It says in Matthew 14, 35, it tells us that when the men of that place recognized that Jesus had come to town, they sent word throughout the region and brought him everyone who was sick. So see, when Jesus comes to town, things get stirred up. <coughs> it says that when they found out he was there, <coughs> they all went and they grabbed their sick and said, Jesus is here. Let's go take him and get him, get him, pray for them. And it says that he did. He prayed for everyone they brought to him who was sick. There's always, if you always read the scriptures, there's always crowds pressing around Jesus wherever he goes. There's an enthusiasm, there's an excitement, there's something that Jesus brings when he is present. I believe that that's something that the church needs to grab more hold of, is that sometimes maybe Jesus, maybe there isn't the crowds around because Jesus isn't present. <laughs> that compelling drive to come in and see that Jesus is here. Because when the real power of Jesus shows up and is in action, people will want to be there. I think. I think of people that are hurting and, I mean, you take these guys from Teen Challenge, when they're ready to change, if Jesus is there, they're trying to get there. They're, they're, they're wanting something to happen. So Jesus stirs things up when he comes to town. Let's go to Matthew chapter 21. And I'm skipping around a lot. I'm just bringing up some examples out of the Word. And I'm actually going to get to the point of this in a moment. <laughs> Maybe. Matthew chapter 21, verses 10 through 14. This ties into when Jesus is in town. This is when Jesus came into the whole city. It says, isn't this fantastic? It says, the whole city trembled with excitement. Isn't that cool? This is when he came to town, the whole city. This is Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not a city of 100 people. We're talking to tens of thousands of people. It says the whole city trembled when Jesus came. The people were asking who, I mean, is it? It's not even that they necessarily knew him and knew who he was. They're like, well, who is this? <laughs> you know, there's probably people on the edge of the crowd going, hey, yeah, yeah. Well, who are we cheering for? <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> What's he do? <laughs> you know, what sports team does he play for? <laughs> he must be with the Packers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They didn't even know it, but they were cheering because he was there. And of course, this story, this story intrigues me to some degree, the way it's written. Because this is the story of Jesus going to the temple. Of course, most of us, again, know these stories. It says the whole town is trembling with excitement, and Jesus comes into the temple, and he rises up in indignation that they're selling doves and all this stuff, and they're making money off of the sacrifices. And he turns over the tables, and he casts them out, and and he got all excitement. When you get all this excitement of the story, and it tells us that the story, that he goes around and he starts saying, you know, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a hideous hideout for bandits. 
And then the next sentence, it says, well, blind people and lame people came to the temple and they were healed. <laughs> it's like, I just like the way that they make that transition. It's like such a funny transition where he's, he's indignation all of a sudden. He says, well, blind people and lame people came and he healed them. It's like this matter of fact that they just threw in there in the middle of the story. But when Jesus shows up, miracles start to happen. You know, it tells us the blind and lame got healed. You know, the scriptures tell us in John chapter 20, I think this is a great two verses. It tells us in John chapter 20, at the end of John, John writes this whole book, the gospel of John, all the stuff about Jesus and the whole life of Jesus in the last two verses of the book. John throws this in. Verses 20, 30 and 31 of John is Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not recorded in this book. It's kind of like a disclaimer at the end. They're not recorded in this book. But these, that we've already writ written, have been recorded so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, so that through believing you may have life in his name. Jesus did so many things they couldn't even write them all down. There's just stories after story after story that we don't even know. Mark chapter 6. Two of stories related to storms. Now, we've had a lot of storms lately. Has Nick heard any feedback from Dominica at all? People are okay that you know? There's an island down there, Baruda? Is that how you say the name of it? They evacuated the whole island. They said that it's, it is 97% destroyed. The island is just gone. <laughs> and he said every structure is completely demolished. I think I don't even know how there were several thousand people that lived on this island. And they're going to have to rebuild the entire infrastructure. Everything has to be rebuilt. The utilities, everything has to go up. That storm just totally wiped out that whole island. We've had pretty, some pretty crazy stuff going on. Mexico's had a couple of earthquakes. We're just right in the middle of all these storms. We've had some crazy stuff come through here lately too. A couple of storm stories. You know, most of us know the one where Jesus is in the, in the boat and he's sleeping. This one I want to talk about is that when Jesus sends the disciples ahead and he went to pray and the evening came and it says that they're out in the middle of the sea and this storm comes up. It says in verse 49 of Mark 6, it says, but when Jesus saw, saw them, excuse me, and he came to them and they saw him walking on the sea, they thought he was a ghost. He says that they were terrified, and he told them to have courage <coughs> to stop being afraid. And it says that he got into the boat with them. So he stepped in the boat, and it says the wind stopped blowing. And it says the disciples were utterly astounded without even speaking a word. So it doesn't tell us he did anything to rebuke the storm like he did in the other story. He stepped into the boat, and the storm stopped. So when Jesus shows up, even the earth submits to him. Amen. Even the winds and the rains submit to him. Mary's always proud of me. We gotta pray for against these rainstorms. <laughs> we were gonna have a little league game. I was like, it's gonna rain. So, well, you can just pray. And you know, we prayed, and it didn't rain that night. So the storm went around us. But as soon as the game was over, it rained. <laughs> so we got that two-hour window in there to get that game in. Say we spoke. 
to the winds and the rain. It says that the disciples were utterly astounded. I looked up utterly in the dictionary. It says to completely and without qualification. Astounded is to be shocked or greatly surprised. They were shocked. They stepped in and told them. I know this is the first one or the second one, but you think after the first time, you think, well, this is no big deal, you know? But it says they're still shocked. <laughs> and then the other one, it says they were shocked. <laughs> it's like this, the disciples went through their lives being pretty shocked, it seems like. <laughs> okay, no, nah, I've never seen them do that before. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. So even the winds and the water obey. I got two more. Actually, I've got three more. Getting there. Luke chapter 19. Jesus sends his disciples on ahead. He's coming in for the final ride into Jerusalem. They go and they get the colt, and it says that G they put the coats on the colt, and they put Jesus upon it. And it tells us in verse 36 of Luke 19 that as he's riding along, it says the people start spreading their coats on the road. And it says in verse 37 that the whole crowd began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice because of all the miracles they had seen. And they said, how blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. It tells us that when Jesus comes to town, that praise is going to break out. Praise and worship. It's just going to happen. It's going to be um, involuntary, I think, and just spontaneous. Worship is part of this interaction wherever Jesus goes. That there's just going to be this breaking out of praise to him. And we aren't going to be able to stop it. He says that if we don't do it, the rocks are going to cry out. So at least today we kept the rocks from crying out today. Because if we wouldn't have done it, they would have done it. That would be interesting. It would be interesting to see how rocks actually sound like. They have harmony or something. I don't know. It might be in that. I get to the end of that book to talk about the frequency yet. I'm not quite they there. They have a vibration. They have a vibration. All right. I got two left for you here. Stick with me. I'm getting there. John chapter 13, verses 6 to 15, tells us as we're at the Last Supper and they're, they're gathering together. It says that the disciples are together at this final meal and Jesus stands up and he gets the bowl of water and grabs a towel and he gets down on his knees and he's going to go and he's going to wash their feet. And we know that Peter says, I don't want you to do that to me. And it, says, and it tells us in verse 11, it says that Jesus did this even though he knew the one who was going to betray him. And he bowed down and he washed their feet. And it tells us in verse 15 of John chapter 13, Jesus says, I have set an example for you so that you may do as I have done to you. When Jesus shows up, he sets an example for us. In many ways, an example for how we treat people, how we respond to people, but what is important, and the things that we can do, he sets that example for us. He set us up to go do the same things. And he tells us to go. In John 14, he says, Truly I tell you with certainty that the one who believes in me will also go and do what I am doing, the example of what I'm doing for you. He will do even greater things than these than what I've done because I'm going to the Father. Things like the Good Samaritan. Those kind of things. All right. 
the heart of what I wanted to bring, why this came about. I love that Ravi Zachariah said this morning something about how he likes songwriters. And that we said, about, said sometimes songwriters have such great deep truths in them that we kind of glean from and listening to what the words of a song are. And pondering this based upon a song. And the song that I've been listening to is a song of, it's a song of conjecture because there isn't any real scriptural evidence to back it up, but it's a song by Jonathan Heisler from Bethel. Uh, and the song is called You Came. And the song is based upon the interaction of Jesus and Lazarus. And, it, and it's an interesting song because it takes, this, takes the, the story from the side of Lazarus. And again, there's nothing written down to what he's thinking or what he's saying. Uh, but this is where I came to with this message today, is this in John chapter 11 talking about Jesus coming to town. Now, we, you know, again, we've heard this story probably multiple times before. People came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know, your friend Lazarus is sick. And they come to him and said, he's died, ultimately. And so Jesus looks at his disciples, and they're saying, you know, he's like, he's got to go. He says, well, that's right, he's just sleeping. And again, they picked that up on the physical as well. If he's taking a nap, then I guess it's not quite such a rush. <laughs> they didn't quite understand it. <laughs> but when he heard that, he kind of, kind of somewhat rebuked them to make them understand. He says, no, he's, he's not sleeping. He's dead. I mean, he told them plainly, he's dead. And we all know, of course, that he, he waits two days and then he travels for two days. So by the time he gets to Lazarus, Lazarus has been dead for four days. I was reading through this story, and I find it interesting that as Jesus came, and he came towards town, Martha, it says, runs out to meet him. And I like that part of the story because in the other interaction between Jesus and Martha and Mary, you know, he kind of sort of, as we often think of it, kind of rebukes Martha for being so busy. And, and you know, Mary picks the better thing of being at his feet. But in this situation, Martha runs out to him to meet him. <laughs> and she says, I know that if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. There's a truth there. She understands the truth. And she expresses that truth. And as Jesus comes in, Mary's in the house, and people are consoling her. And she says the same thing, that I know that if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And so we know that Jesus says, goes to the tomb. We know the story. And he's standing there at the tomb, and it says that he cried. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Shortest word, Jesus wept. And the people said, see how much he loved him because he's crying for this. He tells them to Roll away the stone. Anyway, Robin, why don't you cue that up? We're going to pick the story up. And give it a few minutes and listen to what, what this is. I was going to cue that song. You got it? Just listen. This is the story. It kind of takes it from the side of Lazarus. Sound like a with 
there's two parts to that that I like. <clears throat> First off, it says, you came, and I knew that you would come. Again, this is kind of conjecture. We don't, because Lazarus never wrote anything down, but Lazarus knew that. I was thinking about this process, and nobody knows what happened. Lazarus is in the grave for four days. The other part that I like about this is in the words that he wrote when he said, <clears throat> he said, death's only sleeping, and with one word, my heart was beating. He said his name, he said Lazarus. And I bet by the time he even got to the Z, <laughs> he's back alive. He came forth out of the grave because when Jesus shows up, he conquers death. He's a victorious over death. So, I brought up several points about Jesus and when he comes and what happens. And it says he knew that he would come. Once Jesus left the world and he left the church to be his hands and feet, feet in, the, in a world where all this stuff is going on, all these storms and all this stuff, and every five seconds a child dies from hunger, every 15 seconds another one dies from contaminated water, Every night in the United States alone, it says a million children go to bed hungry. Evil is present and active. In a world where preteens, including hundreds, according to some studies, are bullied to the point of taking their own lives, evil is without a doubt present. But when we see that when Jesus comes to town, things change. And that when Jesus comes to town, he can conquer death. He can have miracles happen. He can raise the dead. He can do all these things when Jesus comes to town. These things are reality. Diseases can be cured and controlled. When Jesus comes to town, we can bring the marginalized people into fellowship. And we can offer them the hope that they don't have. When Jesus came to Capernaum, everything changed. He's given to us the ministry of the church to be him in the physical sense on this earth. I believe that we need to not just be voice alone because we have authority to do these same things. I read you the scriptures. We're going to do greater things than he did. So as representatives of him, we need to focus on doing the things that he asked us to do, calling out the good news to a world full of people who need to know about him. Let us call into the love of God to leave behind the things that so easily beset people and step into the freedom that God offers. Let's call people into love of God to, to love the unlovely, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to house the homeless, and cry, shut up and get out against the forces of darkness. Just like Jesus did. Wherever they have a stranglehold on human lives, I believe it's imperative that the church, we step into those things. Every day, every place we are. Because when Jesus shows up, I've given you nine examples of things that can happen when Jesus shows up in town. It's time that Jesus comes to town. Because when he does, everything changes. Isn't that true? Amen. Stand with me, let's close. Lord, we just, we want you to come to town. <laughs> we want you to come to make a difference. We want to see things like are 
being expressed in the Word of God. These aren't just stories written down for us to just read at bedtime. These are things for us to glean a hold of, that you could do these kinds of things, that you could come even to the point of raising the dead. It's not impossible for you. It's not impossible for us because the Spirit of God is in us. We have the same power that raised Christ from the dead in us. Lord, let us be your hands and feet. Bring Jesus to town, to, to Duluth and Superior, this Twin Ports region, that Jesus would come and show up. Oh, Jesus. We want to see you come to town. Have praise break out. Miracles happen. Demons come into subjection. We want to see your glory released and these things happen in our midst. We want to see people healed and set free. We pray for Craig again that you heal him in Jesus' name. Heal all of our infirmities, all of our diseases. saying about you today, what a beautiful name you have, beautiful person you are. Equip us now to want and be you all around us. our time together here. Guard it. Keep it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.